This is the Nearside Low Podcast, brought to you by Missouri Water Polo. For all highlights, scores, and updates, please visit www.mowaterpolo.com. This is uh, Ray and Charlie, and we're uh, we're here with Podcast Four. Um, a little bit later, we will uh, we'll be interviewing uh, Coach Sean Weimer from uh, Stevenson High School in Chicago. Um, so, if you were really interested in that interview, feel free to fast forward. Um, we'll go back to our question of the week from last week. Uh, I think it pretty much dominated the votes. It was the SLU versus Lindbergh game. I think it was at four o'clock um, at Lindbergh, and that was kind of the kickoff. The uh, the uh, Dismet invite uh, looks like, according to the score that I think Ray has here, Lindbergh uh, or Slew ended up winning against Lindbergh twelve to three. So uh, that was kind of uh, it was kind of an interesting score. I think people might have been a little bit surprised by that. Yeah, I mean, number one against number two, and I, I mean, I think that shows that I mean there is some disparity there at the top right now. I mean, obviously we're in the middle of the season, long way to go, but I think a lot of people were interested in that game just to see how. The two best teams thus far matched up, and in that game at least, uh, Slew came away with a pretty pretty nice victory. And now I'm not going to lie, I ended up voting for the uh, Parkway South versus DeSmet, um, which I think was one of the 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 low vote getters, and that ended up I think that game went to overtime. Is that right? And and DeSmet pulled that out by a goal because uh, I guess it what was it? We've got it written down. DeSmet ten, South nine. I mean, if you didn't know how DeSmet worked, uh, when you go to overtime, you go to golden goal, so it's kind of sudden death, and you drop one player for the so the first round was five on five, and then some games go down to four on four. It depends on you know how quickly they can score. Um, and mentioning South, um, they were kind of a late addition to the uh, tournament. I'm not really sure who um, who who dropped out, but um, you know, kudos to Miguel for. Uh, um, inviting them because looking at scores with them, I think Ray and I calculated that I don't think they most of their games were decided by three goals or less. Is that right? Correct, yeah. yeah. Yep. So uh, a great addition, um, and that's something that you know Ray and I talk a lot about. We think that uh, um, the more competitive water polo games we have, obviously in St. Louis, the better the, the kids are are going to get. So um, pretty exciting. Um, so new question of the week. Instead of hogging all the radio time here, I'm gonna I'm gonna let Ray talk about that because I think he uh, he knows what we're doing with that. So hit it, Ray. So uh, for the last two weeks, we were asking for you to submit uh, your best water polo photos to try to get some new pictures up on the Missouri Water Polo website. So um, over the last two weeks, we've gotten a number of submissions. So thank you to all the photographers that sent in their submissions. Uh, so Steve Adcock, who does a ton of stuff for uh, water polo in our area. Um, is going to get a poll set up this week. And uh, so look for a poll to be set up maybe by Thursday. Uh, Steve will tweet that out at uh, Mo Water Polo uh, when, when we get that poll up. But go out there, pick your favorite pictures uh, so that we can submit them, put them on uh, the front page of our website. So uh, shout, out to, uh, shout out to Jim Erlinger for his pictures that have been up there for probably over five years now. <laughs> but uh, excited to get some new pictures. And thanks, thanks for all the submissions, even the ones that – we may not put up. We really appreciate people sending them in and taking pictures of water polo. All right. So uh, the hot topic of uh, the past weekend was obviously, um, I like to call it one of the big tournaments of the season, the Dismet Invite. So um, I always joke with my assistant coach, uh, Brian Welch, that uh, 
Um, I do enjoy the games at the Desmet Invite, but I certainly enjoy the hospitality room. So <laughs> there's always good food. Coaches are well fed, um, and I know they take care of feeding all those out of state uh, out of state teams. So um, pretty cool there. Um, a lot of uh, good competitive games. Um, one of the teams I wanted to talk about that was kind of a, a new face to the to the uh, to the crowd was uh, the Clear Lake team from Texas. Um, they they did a phenomenal job actually. Parkway West. We we played them. I think the first uh, their first game up here. Um, I think we ended up winning. I don't know twelve nine something like that. It was relatively close. Um, super competitive. They were a good team. Um, they they uh, they read their counter well. You know we would be on a counter attack, get ready to shoot, and they'd have two or three guys already countering back down the pool. So if we if we did not um, if we didn't finish, it was um, it was a good opportunity for them. The one thing that I was really 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 impressed about with that team was their goalie. Um, and my understanding is I don't know the young man's name, but he is headed to, I think, Santa Clara um, next year. Um, and the thing that really impressed me about him when we played him was his aggressiveness. Um, he was very aggressive as far as um, stealing balls off of counters. And then when there were one-on-0s and two-on-ones and stuff, he was he came out of the goal and challenged. And uh, I think there were a lot of opportunities where I felt like, man, we should have finished there. We should have scored. Um, and he he got a hand on the ball or he took away an angle and, and we, we shot over the goal or hit a crossbar something like that. So really love the aggressiveness. I know as a coach, um, I try and preach that to my goalies. Um, and sometimes I feel like in St. Louis, they're not aggressive enough. They're a little tentative um, to leave the cage, but um, he was, he was definitely, um, he was definitely worth, um, worth the watch. So it was, it was kind of cool to see. Um, and I'm going to let Ray talk a little bit about, he unfortunately was not at the Desmet invite this weekend, but he did, he did hear quite a bit about the games, just talking from me and, and other people. So I know he wanted to talk a little bit about uh, some takeaways from the, from the weekend. Yeah, so rather than run through all the games, just wanted to go through and highlight three things I thought were interesting for the weekend. So one, which we've kind of already touched on, is uh, the SLU Lindbergh game, which everyone was excited to watch. But uh, SLU had a solid victory in that game. SLU and Lindbergh, as well as some of these other teams in the top five or six, as well as top ten, are going to meet in the next couple weeks. Um, It'll be interesting to see how teams progress against them uh, going forward. But uh, strong showing by SLU. Uh, they showed why they're the number one ranked team and uh, definitely a good one for them. I think the other, the second takeaway is uh, Miguel set up uh, this year where he had teams play five competitive games rather than a true classic tournament format. I think really worked out. It really showed some of the balance that, that's going on in the St. Louis area this year. I mean, we'll talk about the top 10 here at the end, but a number of teams moved again this week just because of some of the close games this last weekend. We've touched on P-South played a couple close games. Despet played some close games. Uh, so just overall, you can see that teams right there in the middle are clustered close together. It's going to make for some exciting water polo. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how these teams develop over the next couple weeks. Um, and then the third thing I want to touch on is the St. Louis versus uh, Chicago. I mean, obviously one of the great things about the Despet invite is we get great teams like Stevenson and Fenway come down. And one one of the one of the things that uh, I know a number of people were excited to see, as well as there's been some talk on the forum lately about St. Louis teams versus Chicago teams. And, and, and my takeaway from looking at the scores is um, some people were asserting that Chicago is way better than St. Louis right now, and I, I don't know that 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 is the case. I mean, clearly the best team at this last last tournament was Stevenson. Uh, they they have some very strong players. They, they I mean we know from last year that they had a strong team returning this year, and they're of course extremely well coached by uh, Sean Weimer. But SLU played with Fenwick. Uh, they they beat them last weekend. Fenwick won by a one goal game this weekend. 
Fedwick's the number six ranked team in Chicago. So I, I think overall, our, to, our top teams can play with Chicago's top teams. And it's, it's fun seeing that the, those competitions go on. Um, Lindbergh obviously went up to Chicago um, and played really well up there. And then some of these other teams that were here this weekend, St. Vider, um, De La Salle, we had some good teams there, good games there as well. So um, it's always fun to see St. Louis for Chicago. I think, as I said, Stevenson came away to be the best team this year. But it's, it's always exciting to see comparable levels of play uh, between teams in both our areas. So, Ray, you mentioned uh, that was a little bit of a discussion on the forum. So, for those of you that don't know, uh, there is a, I don't know, water polo two seven, 2017 uh, on the STL Today Prep Sports Forum. So, we'd be interested. I know that there were a couple comments just recently about that kind of Chicago versus St. Louis um, um, rivalry and where where we stood as far as uh, competitiveness. So we'd be interested in some of those some of our listeners' thoughts. So feel free to log on onto STL today and you know post something. We'd be interested in uh, in reading it and maybe talking about it um, next week. Yeah, we prefer intelligent banter as well rather than <laughs> random comments that don't make much sense. But um, but yeah, definitely excited to hear some input. And so that brings us to the uh, kind of closing of the DeSmet invite. Um, one of the nice things they do each year is they have a all-tournament team that the coaches uh, get to vote for. You're supposed to turn your vote in before, I think, the finish of the of the closing game or before the beginning of it. I can't remember which. Um, you get to vote for six players plus a goalie, um, and then you also are um, asked to vote for an MVP. So um, a lot of the coaches are poolside most of the day, so I think they get a pretty good look at um, – at quite a few of the players. So I have listed, I apologize if I butcher uh, anybody's name, um, especially the Chicago guys, because I don't know you that well, but um, all tournament team from Stevenson. They obviously won the tournament. They had quite a few people on there. Um, Dan Molesky, Andrew Shashin, and Colin Kapecki. Um, and then um, also from out of state in Fenwick, um, I've got last name. I apologize, Mr. Comstock. I don't know your first name, but um, one of the Fenwick players. Um, and then I had mentioned a little bit earlier, the um, I think the goalie from uh, Clear Lake. Um, we have him listed as uh, Matthew Churchman. Um, and I'm going to let Ray talk about uh, the St. Louis guys. Yeah, so St. Louis uh, had some nice representation on that team as well. Um, from SLU High, Joe Jelinek, who uh, provided a number of the goals for SLU this last week and another strong weekend. Uh, Parkway West and Mitch Griffin, uh, continuing uh, his scoring onslaught for, for Parkway West. Uh, Thomas Larson played uh, very well in helping to Smet uh, this last weekend. And then Mason White from Lindbergh uh, just really picked up his game the last few weeks, especially having to fill in for, for Brad. So uh, definitely well-deserved there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, you know, shout out to Mason. You know, I, I kind of say you're one of those kids that has a hinged arm. Um, that's that's what I joke joke around with my assistant about. But, um, I you know, I don't know what you do with that fake there, but it looks pretty uh, pretty nasty. So uh, keep up the good work, kind of leading that team. Um, you know, there, it looks like they're, they're definitely uh, rallying around you. So um, awesome job. Um, and so then that brings us to, I think we're going to discuss the top ten real quick. Is that um, is that what we've got next? So, Coach, you've got that written down. Why don't you – kind of bracket them together and we'll chat so uh again uh this week there was some movement in the top 10 uh no surprise the top two were uh slew high at number one Lindbergh number two uh parker west at three as last week uh DeSmet this week moved up two slots to be at number four 
if Ledoux uh, moved down one slot to be number five. So there's your top five. Any, any thoughts? Uh, well, I mean, you know, again, it's, uh, you know, we, we at Parkway West, we've not seen Lindbergh. Um, you know, Ledoux was, I mean, the Ledoux game could have gone either way. Um, and then, obviously, we've split with DeSmet. They brought their A game on Saturday night at the DeSmet invite. Um, I think both teams had a lot of opportunities to finish that game early. And um, with some phenomenal goalie play from DeSmet and from, from Parkway West goalie, it, it ended up, it went down to, it went to overtime, which is pretty cool. Um, and so, you know, I, I again, I feel like they kind of jockeying around there. Um, to be honest, you know, people, I, I agree with something you had mentioned earlier, Ray, that Slew's probably just a little bit um, a cut above the rest right now. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because, you know, looking ahead, I, I don't know if I'd want to be the fourth seed rolling into the district tournament having to play um, a current pretty solid number one team. Um, but again, I, you know, it's, uh, it's a pretty, pretty, pretty good mix right there. Right. I mean, we're still about a month out, so plenty of time for teams to improve and, and things to change. Um, so uh, those are your top five, uh, six through 10. Uh, Parkway South at number six, uh, moved down one. Uh, Chaminade at seven. Parkway Central at eight. Uh, Marquette at nine. And Clayton uh, enters the top 10 this week at number 10. So, I mean, you know, speaking about those teams, again, I, I think Sparkway South's dangerous. Uh, they played really well this past weekend. Um, they, they, they played gritty. Um, I, you know, I didn't see much from, obviously, I don't think Central, Marquette, Clayton really competed this past weekend. Um, Chaminade, again, uh, another team that I think is going to surprise some people. I know they were down a couple guys in the morning on Saturday. I think um, they had uh, some kids taking the ACT. So not sure who they played, but I don't think they ended up winning their, their AM game because they were missing quite a few. But, again, like, I, you know, I, I wouldn't throw South and Chaminade at 6-7 and think that they would stay there. I mean, I think they, they, they've got a shot of being in that 2-3-4-5 spot easily um, at the end of the year, just depending on how games and tournaments go. Right, and uh, so re- real quickly, uh, for I wanted to comment, uh, Lindbergh played Ledoux earlier this week. Lindbergh uh, won by a score of 12-8, to 8, but very close game throughout. A game could go uh, either way, so definitely um, we'll be interested to see them play again this, se- this season. And uh, as we talked about, that 6-10, through 10, I mean, Parkway South showed this, week, this weekend that they deserve uh, that number 6 spot. As Coach just said, Chaminade, number 7 as well. Uh, Marquette's a team uh, to watch. I, I, I got to see them play, and we've always obviously heard about Trevin. Uh, he's a very good player for them in the middle. Uh, Solomon Cohen's played extremely well for them in goal as well. So uh, definitely excited to see them in the, in the top 10. And Clayton's another team. They had, they, their schedule uh, hasn't allowed them to play some of these other teams yet, but uh, definitely a team to watch. So uh, once again, top 10 in flux, and hopefully it'll – Keep being like that so we can talk yeah. about it every week. <laughs> yeah, we like, we like exciting games. And uh, so that brings us to our team of the week. And uh, I went ahead and Ray and I pretty much agreed on this. So I'm going to let him him talk about that. Yeah, so uh, team of the week this week is DeSmet, who had a very strong and very DeSmet-like week playing seven games, <laughs> uh, but going 6-1 and one overall, including some great OT games. They had an OT win over Parkway South, an OT win over Parkway West, uh, they ended Ray, up, we weren't going to mention that. Okay, well, sorry. Um, and it's then, all right. Then we had the OT loss to Clear Lake. But, I mean, three overtime games in the course of, of three days there. Uh, I mean, strong strong resolve by DeSmet. Uh, obviously, they're they're led by Thomas Larson, who is currently third in the area in, in scoring. Uh, but also a very nice cast around him. Ben Kinnison is, was mentioned a couple weeks ago as a player to watch. Um, he's fifth in the area in points. And then you've got people like Mitch Meyer, 
Tegan Thomas, John Brennan, Alex Pullman. So just great, great week by Despent. Um, six and one is a great record for them overall. And I think also it's, it's good to mention them as team of the week. One of the reasons why the Despent invite is such such a, a, a great tournament is because of all the work that the Despent parents and families put into the tournament. I know a lot of the other tournaments in the area have that as well, but it's definitely recognized, especially with all these out-of-town teams coming in. So a uh, great week for Desmet. Uh, they move up to number four in the rankings. Uh, so congrats, team of the week. Up next, our interview with Adelaide Stevenson head coach Sean Weimer. All right. Uh, well, we'd like to uh, we'd like to welcome Coach Weimer from Stevenson Adelaide Stevenson High School in uh, the uh, suburbs of Chicago. Um, he is our uh, he's our guest for this week, and we're excited to have him. Um, and he obviously participated in the Desmet invite this past weekend. His team, um, I think, went undefeated. So we uh, we thought it would be a good idea to to have him on. And with all our guests, we like to uh, we like to get a little background info on him. So, um, Coach Weimer, you're are you Chicago born and born and bred? Yeah, yeah, born and bred. Born and bred. And where'd you where'd you Where, end up? Where'd you end up at high school? I went to Stevenson myself. Oh, actually. did you? Okay, wow. And then um, I know you took a trek out west. Is that correct? Yeah, I, um, I played at LMU, Loyola Marymount University, from okay. 2001. I uh, graduated in 2005. Okay, and where is that exactly in Cali? Uh, Los Angeles. It's about LA, okay. five, minute, five minutes north of LAX. Okay, all right. And then uh, from there, stayed out in California or came right back? Actually, I uh, came back. Okay. Um, loved It's a great place to be young, but uh, <laughs> I <was> back home. <laughs> all right, all right. And then, uh, so then when did you end up back at Stevenson? I came back. I started coaching club for a couple of years, okay. and then I think I, the Stevenson job came open in two thousand seven. Okay, yeah, two thousand seven. All right, all right. And you've been there ever since. And what, yeah. what, uh, what for for our club players and stuff? What club were you involved in before that? I'm assuming you're still with that club, or yeah, Northern Illinois Polo Club, NIPC. Okay, all right, cool. So we we see you guys a lot at uh, tournaments and stuff. Yeah. So um, all right, cool. So we got a little background info. Uh, uh, Yes. So, uh, Sean, why don't you tell us? You, you've been coming down to this this Met invite the last couple of years. Why why do you like coming down for that tournament? Uh, for me, I think it's twofold. Um, the first is, you know, it's we're able to just get away and focus on nothing but water polo and uh, gelling as a team. Not necessarily a team outing, but it, it's it is a business trip. But it's nice for us just to be able to focus on just water polo with no outside influences, no school, no parents, nothing like that. And just focus on getting better playing water polo as a team. And then the second is conditioning. Uh, you're playing five games in about 24 hours. <laughs> that's that's a tough task to ask anybody. Right. It, it sounded like I mean, this year Miguel tried to do it where you got more competitive games rather than a, a classic tournament where you get a necessarily a champion, although that, that would have been your team for sure. Uh, how, how do you think that format worked this year? You know, I kind of enjoyed it. Um, it was like the whole, the whole premise was to get a little bit more competitive throughout instead of just the last few games. And uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I know my boys did as well. Um, you'll get a select amount of really competitive games throughout a season, uh, especially out here. There's such disparity between the top few teams and then probably teams out of our, out of our top ten. Um, seeing different competition in good schools down there is always fun and exciting for us. 
What did you think of uh, your team's performance this year and some of the other teams that you saw down here? Um, first off, I Fenwick, just seeing them for the first time this season, everybody was pretty hard on them last year for having a down season, but Kyle's a really good coach, and that team's an upcoming team that's going to be a force to be reckoned with in our state at the end of the season. And then uh, SLU, I mean, it's just a great program. Uh, Paul does a really good job. And they always have great athletes, and those kids always come to compete. It's it's just fun for us to get out and, and compete against them. So did you did you could you narrow it? Did you have a favorite game, or you were just like you really like those two? I got to I got the chance to watch you guys play Fenwick. I did not get to watch you guys play SLU. and Fenwick looked like it was pretty close, three three at one point, and then you guys kind of pulled away towards the end there. We got off to a little bit of a rough start against Fenwick, but I mean they're like I said, they're a good young team, uh, and they're only going to keep getting better. We, we finally got our bearings about us and, and established a two-meter presence and, and kind of took control of the game from that on. Uh, but it's it's fun to compete against them because, like I said, people were hard on them last year, but I mean they're always going to be good. They're a private school that gets great athletes, and, and they're really well coached. So. Right, right. Now, you mentioned uh, two-meter presence. So I know you've got uh, sitting on the pool deck – uh, you got some big boys. So, I mean, those kids just show up as freshmen, and you're just like, hey, you, you look big. You want to come play polo? Or did you know about them at a younger age? And uh, Actually, I've been very blessed. Uh, both those kids started at a really young age. Um, Dan was a, a tremendous age group swimmer. He's our, our primary two-meter player, um, Dan Molesky. He started swimming. He was a great swimmer, and then he burnt out really early and just was looking for something else and, and fell into water polo at the age of 10 or 11. And then Andrew, I believe, started our Andrew Shashin, our utility player, who's just—he's probably our best all-around player. He started playing when he was about eight years old. Oh wow! Okay, all right. And I, I'm assuming they played club for you then, so you knew about them at yeah. some point. Okay, all right. So uh, those guys are going to be going to play college next year, correct? Correct. What what, what schools or are they still trying to figure that out? Um, I believe Andrew finally decided on attending the Naval Academy. Okay. Uh, he chose Navy over Loyola Marymount. Um, and University of Pacific, and then uh, Dan chose uh, Concordia University in Irvine over Long Beach State and UC Davis. So those, I mean, those those are some pretty legit polo programs. So I mean, what what do you what do you think is the key to I mean for their success? I mean, a lot a lot of times there's I think a perception in the Midwest that it, it's harder to go play at some of those better places or. They may not. I mean, the level of the Midwest doesn't necessarily allow you to be able to do that well. But um, I mean, what's your thoughts on that, and what what do you think is key if if kids want to go play college um, at some of those bigger programs? The the first thing is being seen. Um, you have to do everything in your power as an athlete in the Midwest to go and be seen by these coaches, whether it's their own camps at, at the specific colleges, playing ODP, JOs. Um, that's the first thing is being seen by these people, not just sending them tape, but making sure you're seen in person by these coaches. And uh, I think the best way to do that is to directly reach out to them and recruit them even more so than they recruit you. Uh, just recently, I, I heard Eddie Reese, the University of Texas swimming coach, um, talk about his backstroker, John Shevitt. Uh This kid was a mediocre swimmer at best, but he was a big kid, and he said, I'm pretty sure his mom and I, uh, his mom and John recruited uh, myself, Eddie Reese, more so than I recruited him for two years. Um, so it just goes back to it: is you really have to recruit 
the coach more than they're going to recruit you. Um, Felix Mercado, the Brown coach, has, has a saying, it's three to one. You need to reach out to that coach three times for every one response you're going to get. So do you, so, I mean, you obviously have some experience in playing college polo and stuff. Do you have a hand in helping your guys do that? Or are you kind of hands off and say, mom and dad take care of it? Or do you still have connections in the, obviously, uh, uh, what's his name was checking out LMU. I'm assuming you still know some people around that program. Yeah, I, I have a hand in it in the, in the respect that I'll help them. I'll guide them. I'm never going to tell them where to go to school. Uh, I do still have quite a few connections just throughout the college landscape. Um, I know James Graham at Pacific really well. I actually played against him in college. And um, I know a few other coaches as well, just through going to zone stuff or JOs or even just playing when I was playing in college. But um, I'm open and willing to help anybody. Uh, Shane Hughes last year, I helped him with a couple schools. Uh, he eventually decided on Santa Clara. But um, he, really, he actually he actually did really well. I think he ended up starting at Santa Clara by the end of the season. So yeah, no, he had a tremendous freshman. Shane was, Shane was a, one of your high school guys. No, he uh, he he actually was at Saint Ignatius. Okay, CPD. But uh, okay, he was right. a kid that you just see him limitless potential, just okay. a phenomenal athlete. So uh, real quickly, uh, before we start wrapping up, I, I wanted to ask you a little bit about just polo in the Midwest in general. I know uh, you're now on the USA Water Polo Board for the zone, as well as uh, Miguel and myself. Um, so just talk a little bit about how you see polo in the Midwest right now and what you think are some of the things to see us continue to grow in the next couple of years. Well, I, I really love the growth over the last couple of years. Um, I know Ohio has been a big part of that. Their, their growth has been exponential. Um, but I, I still think there's plenty of room to grow in Missouri, Illinois, and Michigan as well. Um, I know once we became an IHSA sport in Illinois, our high school programs went from 30 to, I believe, right around 100. Um, we're still lacking in development of clubs. Uh, there's really probably five or six core clubs still and then a few more beyond that. But I think the biggest thing is just education of coaches and officials. Um, we're the people guiding these kids. Uh, the more educated and, and more we can learn about the sport, whether it's an official or, or a coach, um, the more we can help these kids continue to grow and get better. Okay, good. Um, so, uh, and so you mentioned you took over at Stevenson in what, 07? Am I right? Or is that, and, and before that. So obviously, I mean, I don't think you guys are a one-hit wonder. You've been relatively successful um, ever since we were coming up for the the I-55 series. Um, but what, I mean, I'm sure there's some young coaches listening to this. Like, what advice can you give them? You have obviously have a solid foundation, and I'm guessing you guys are probably going to have continued success year after year. Um, so, like, give us some pointers for somebody new that's trying to start out, build a program. What are they looking for? What do they need to do to, to, to set it off on the right foot? Um, the, fir the first thing, <laughs> this should be, and it's difficult, but the hardest thing is establish an age group program. Um, we used to have a really, really successful age group program in the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, our 1,400 girls actually won Junior Olympics in 2000. Wow. Uh, or was it 2000 or 2001? And they also won the Speedo Cup. Um, and, and it was provi it provides a tremendous... Just, I mean, you come in with all these kids coming into your program that already know how to play. You're not starting from square one. Uh, they have this experience. They know what they're doing. Um, you can 
keep advancing them further along with with more detail oriented stuff uh, instead of just focusing solely on the basics. So the first thing I would say is establish an age group program. Um, when our age group program took a hit is when my program took a hit. Uh, we, we had great success. We made our, our state tournament the first three years I was coaching. But while I was coaching those first three years of high school, our age group program was taking a nosedive and we were going from numbers in the 30s and 40s in the age group program down to about five to ten. And then I found myself with one to two, three kids with prior water polo experience playing in our high school program. And we right. went from a 20 week team in 2007 and through 20, or I think 2007 to 2009. In 2011, we were five and 25. So uh, age, group, age group is the biggest benefit you can make. Um, the, the second piece of advice I give to young coaches is uh, never think you know everything. Always, always grind. Always keep learning. Uh, the day you stop learning is the day you should quit. Well, that's I, that is uh, that's good advice. So, uh, I mean, so uh, I, I'm assuming you. Um, I mean, you obviously learned a lot playing out in LMU and stuff like that. Um, what are some What are some resources that you utilize as a coach? I mean, obviously other coaches probably, but other avenues. Uh, uh, other coaches are. are fantastic sources of information, whether it's a college coach, uh, club coaches, basically, um, ODP is, is a fantastic source of information. Uh, there's different websites, Water Polo Planet's a great website with information. They put out stuff all the time. Um, but just try and network as best as possible. Um, it doesn't even have to be college coaches. It can be other club coaches, um, especially in Southern California. I've developed some pretty good relationships with, with other club coaches over the course of a few years and, and they've given me incredible ideas and it's really been a, a benefit to our program we, we were hoping you were going to name drop us there as well yeah. <laughs> oh, oh no a, another thing is is what you guys are doing uh this podcast is fantastic um i i listened last week just to kind of get the scoop on what was going down in missouri <laughs> um, i came across it and, and i listened i'm like uh, this was fantastic it was amazing well, we're, we're, um, hope, we're hoping for a lot of hits this week having you on and Maybe we can get a little ill polo action in there, but I'll know, tell you what, what what he does for our kids, um, and I, and what coach, coaches shouldn't put too much into into it. Um, it is just for recognition of the kids, but what he does is a tremendous service to our kids. It, it's incredible, and, and what you guys are doing too. It, it's really a service to the kids. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Thanks again, Sean, for coming on. Congrats on another uh, great Dismet invite for you guys going undefeated, and uh, we'll definitely be. Excited to keep watching you this the rest of this spring. But uh, thanks again for coming on and sharing your insights with us. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys for having me on. Anytime. That wraps up podcast number four, Near Side Low, Missouri Water Polo. Thanks for listening. 